Hi everyone, welcome back to Highly Inspired. I'm Ella. I'm Jordan. Hey guys, welcome back. It's been a second. It has been a second. I'm sorry about that. Almost a month since our last recording Which session. is not our goal. We want to be more up to date with you guys, but we've been busy. As you probably know, we have the website up and running and we are doing mini pods now. Yes, so we've we had posted a few. Time. So that was kind of in our intermittent phase we were doing the mini pods yeah. and uh launching the website so yeah. that was so we're glad to get back in the groove of things and this is a topic this week that we have wanted to do probably for a year now but it just then the right time never came around and recently jordan and i just been inspired by some recent things and felt like this was a good time to do this topic. Yeah, so when we first started the podcast, we had a big list of topics that we like wanted to touch on, even if it was just a little taste. And forever in that note list was something around feminism or female career aspirations in modern society right now, and just that entire bubble around women in our world, kind of. So there's a million subtopics that we want to at least touch on, but I think overall, just from recent discoveries this year, and Ella just finished an amazing book, like there are a lot of things that are kind of sparking the interest even more. So yeah, yeah that's for why. sure. And I think Jordan and I kind of, well, we haven't really said what the topic is yet, have we? It's feminism, <laughs> just to be clear. Yes. It's right there if you haven't, if you haven't checked it out. But um, yeah, it's, it's feminism and it's kind of our take on modern feminism, obviously, as you can probably tell, but Jordan and I are two women. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're 21 year old no girls. Really? Yeah. No, but you never know these <laughs> days. So it's just, but, um, we're, we're two girls and we, we've kind of grown up in more traditional homes, but we both are very, I would say driven when it comes to career aspirations and, and just trying to balance all the aspects of life. And, um, we kind of wanted to share a little bit about our background and kind of our, viewpoint of feminism growing up do you want to start Jordan just kind of what your thoughts were yes yeah, so I okay oh gosh I'm just organizing my thoughts here so I actually didn't fully understand what the exact term feminism was from a political standpoint until I was probably a teenager like I never really fully knew um, and I didn't have an interest in knowing I was so me growing up and I actually was quite a bit of a tomboy when I was younger which I think helped me in a lot of ways, just kind of get exposed to a lot of different like boy things and girl things. And just, I was, I was very myself. Um, but then once I started or well, once I got into high school and was starting to think of my career and talking to friends about their careers and stuff, I really just started to realize, oh my gosh, how are these decisions supposed to be made? Also factoring in the fact of wanting to have a family and wanting to get married. And for many stereotypical girl movies and TV shows, it's like the happily ever after is marrying somebody. It's every princess And so show, I felt you know? like with, yeah, princess movies that we watched, a lot of TV shows, even cartoons, like it was all that same narrative. And so it was very hard to kind of watch all of that and then think about, wait a minute, but I actually really like science. I actually really like, I want to, I like business. I want to 
do something. I want to make things. I felt like I always had that. And so when I found myself being surrounded by people that had different career aspirations than me and many people that I was exposed to, like many girls, had actual aspirations to maybe not work. They really just wanted to be a mom. Um, And they probably still have those drives, which is totally fine. It's just, yeah, you realize, oh my gosh, wait, I might have a different Yeah, where do you you fit in the the spectrum of things, you know? And I felt like, okay, so Jordan and I, for those of you who don't know, we went to the same high school in Phoenix. It was an all-girls Catholic school. And I felt like, growing up so my mom is um she's technically a lawyer but she doesn't practice anymore and she stopped practicing when I was born and so she's very you know smart and very educated on one hand but she kind of gave that I wouldn't say gave it up but she wanted to be a mom over that which that was like her prerogative to do and I, I respect it so much because I think that formed who I am and I am very grateful for having such easy access to my mom. I know that your mom kind of had a similar thing with the accounting and, and then staying home with you and your brother. And I think that that was kind of the main culture in Phoenix, at least with the moms that we were exposed to. There were some moms that worked part time or, um, there was a few outliers that were maybe more career driven, but definitely it was like, if you were, had a job, you owned like your own boutique that maybe your husband it was a part time thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of my exposure of very like traditional roles, but also I never felt like my parents were trying to get me to like buy into that either. It was just kind of like, this is what we have. And I never saw myself as, I never saw the world as like, being sexist I guess like I didn't either I never saw myself as having any limitations I don't know if it's because I went to an all-girls school I've, I don't know if it's just because I just if I had other issues that maybe were more challenging like I had a learning disability and I felt like that staggered me more than maybe being a woman so I don't maybe that kind of changed my perspective but when I got to college I started to realize like oh there actually are like real issues that women face and they might not even be exactly the same ones that the mainstream is talking about, but I think there is some sort of crossover. And I thought specifically like at Xavier at our high school, it was like these two extremes that women could be. You either could be this um, career crazy driven woman in STEM specifically because there's this whole argument that there's not enough women in STEM or you had to be, Um, and not have any kids and not have a family and not get married and just be super into being like a CEO or the best you can be. Or this other extreme, which is like the Catholic super religious perspective. I mean, not super religious, but some of our religion teachers would be these moms that had eight kids and they said all women's purpose was to just reproduce and have all these kids. And so there was no this happy medium of the two that empowered women to think about what was going to make them the happiest and how to combine these two extremes into what I would say is the average woman's experience and what most women want to get out of life. Not that there aren't people on those extremes, but I don't think most women fall into those extremes. Yes, I, t- I totally agree. And I like how you pointed out what the, the two options were with other moms that we were exposed to growing up. Another example would be uh, mom and dad that were both doctors, but then the kid would have to stay home By or themselves. stay stay after school for like an hour and a half until someone could come off of work and, and get them. For me, my parents um, had a very that sort of separated relationship where my mom did stay at home and my dad went to work and and made the money or whatever. But my parents actually 
made that decision very strictly and both of my parents pooled their money at the time to start my family's business. Mm -hmm. So even though my dad was designated to run it and whatever, it it was both my parents have like equal equity in it. Mm -hmm. So basically my mom, when I, when I grow up, grew up, she never gave me any inclination that she didn't like her life. Like until I was in high school and college and I've really had those conversations with her because it just seemed like everything was fine. She loved her life. She was grateful for everything, the opportunities she had. Um, But yeah, now that I've been able to talk to her about it more, I've realized there's a lot of issues sometimes. And even with her, I think it's really good to to have conversations about it. So that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I think that This is a question that Jordan and I have been struggling with for a while because I think that um, we both I think we both consider ourselves to be feminists in the sense of we we want to be we're career driven, we're vision driven. We want there to be more women in the front and center of culture and society. You're talking about how the fact that what was that quote you shared like every Thing, like me- women follow men in oh, culture. Yes. Like, so I thought that was really interesting. If you actually look at history, whether it be war or um, music or honestly film, it's men start culture and then women are really good at adjusting and morphing to culture, mm-hmm. which is why like say male rappers, for instance, started the culture of rap and now we have like this surplus of female rappers. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. I think that women naturally are really good at adjusting and and adapting and and taking that culture and making it their own. That's totally fine. But I think in the sense of careers, say men dominating more corporate careers or media and et cetera than women coming on after, I don't think that's bad. I just think that there's a lot of disparity in there's that a lot area. of disparities in yeah. in a lot of different industries i mean there are so many that are still heavily heavily dominated by men and i think that we're moving towards bringing more women in however some industries women are better some industries are men are better and oh. i think i'm really frustrated sometimes when the word feminism is misconstrued i think that it kind of has a lot of different interpretations and for some people the word feminism or being considered a feminist is really um, combative and it has a negative connotation behind it. But I don't think that. I think that for me, feminism, I don't, I would never say female empowerment because I think females are naturally empowered. I feel like I've always been that way my mm-hmm. whole life mm-hmm. until someone has created an issue or a hurdle for me to try to get over. Mm-hmm. That's when I feel like I have to somehow become empowered to get over that hurdle but thankfully I'm very grateful that I haven't had many of those yeah so but I don't discount people who have like mm-hmm. obviously that's very mm-hmm. common mm-hmm. um but what well how would you describe feminism or just from a very um, from what you can understand I would say I'm pretty much on the same page as you I feel like just because of I I think that I've looked at history and I'm able to tell, okay, when were there systematic things in place that actually prevented women from achieving certain things or even cultural things? And then when are there um, evolutionary things that that prevent women from doing certain things? That's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Biology. Biology. People don't talk about the fact that women are naturally more drawn to being caretakers versus maybe being something that is like a hunter gatherer. Yeah. Yeah, Like finance more kind of aggressive. And so no one wants to kind of take that into account as to why there is 
disparity in some industries. And for example, in um, Sweden, they actually have, it's the easiest as a woman to do any sort of career. And they have a huger disparity of women not being in business and in more male driven roles. And so even it's like US. when you get, when you get rid of all of the boundaries and nobody feels restricted at, yeah. at all, you actually find that people gravitate naturally mm-hmm. towards the more nurture versus hunter gatherer roles yeah. that men are gravit gra- men gravitate mm-hmm. to certain industries versus like say nursing, more mm-hmm. women go into nursing positions or yeah. something like that. And I would say going back to kind of where I feel like I fit in the feminist, um, spectrum the reason why I feel sometimes hesitant to fully dive or fully pledge myself to I guess the woman empowerment agenda yeah. that you're saying the reason why I haven't fully um, pledged myself to that is because I feel like there's a sense of whininess that comes with it like uh, like almost a sense of um I didn't get something because maybe I wasn't qualified, but then defaulting back, oh, I didn't get it because I'm a woman. But really it was because like, you know what, maybe I didn't have the skills that day. And so that's the aspect of it that I'm like, you know what, I don't like that. And I also don't want to get hired for a position because I'm a woman, not because of my brain. And so it's like kind of this reverse sexism that's kind of started to happen to overcompensate. And I didn't really know what that was or like how that, happened in history like I knew that something must have happened way back at when to kind of open that doorway for that but this book actually helped me really understand the history of that and when that split started to happen in the the 60s and the 70s and my biggest issue is I'm someone who I probably I wouldn't say I'm very drawn to kids naturally I don't really care I, I've babysat my cousins but I don't like to I've I hated babysitting yeah it's not my like I also don't to, have younger cousins either you do so you've but, definitely been exposed to younger kids but so my sister and I have been equally exposed but she likes hanging out with them more than I not that okay if you're listening it's not that I don't like hanging out with my cousins but I just think that some people are naturally more drawn to motherhood than other women and oh, I wouldn't 100%. say that I'm someone who's like daydreaming about becoming a a mother I probably will be one but I don't think about it a lot and so that puts me in this kind of weird position with my career but I also don't want to fully reject it either but I feel like uh feminism right now it wants you to do one or the other like and jump full boats and we haven't created this like middle of the ground road for women to navigate that I agree. No, I completely feel you. I, although I do actually want to have kids one day, I feel like although I might not be the most maternal or haven't had a ton of experience with kids, that's always been in the back of my head that I've never fully pushed it out. And some people who label themselves as like strong feminists genuinely are like, yeah, I I don't want to have kids. Yeah. And we totally respect that. And I totally respect that too. I think that it's up to you what you think that you'd be best at. And women who might not be great moms shouldn't do that because that's a massive role. And I mean, Joe Rogan, we we might add this (laughs) clip, but Joe Rogan went on this tangent explaining how women being able to have a child is something that men 100%, 1000% cannot do under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have that, and if we don't glorify it and continue to glorify it, it'll go away. Then it'll go away, and then that's the end of the human race. Yeah. So as much as, like it's just a fine line. No, everyone will will include that bit, but it's really funny because he basically is his mom's talking about how she wants um 
there to be a female president and she's like you greedy like you, you greedy <laughs> you greedy bitch <laughs> and i mean like yeah okay because we want to be moms because we want to be a business owner because we want to do a bunch of different be things be president yeah i mean sure be president but the one thing that i do have with some people who call themselves feminists, some women that are so hardcore career driven and try to like shove it in men's faces. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of men are kind of getting sick of that. Like I talked to one of my guy friends about it and he was explaining how sometimes when women are like this, this, this and female empowerment so much in your face, it can become exhausting. And for any men who are listening to this, I'm sure at some point people have felt that mm -hmm. and you can't really get rid of that feeling. No, and um, you, you So I, I have, I have never done that and I probably will never because I, for me, actions speak louder than words, like badgering at people, trying to force my opinions on it. Um, is probably not going to get me as far as actually doing it or educating myself to succeed in this industry or mm -hmm, that industry. Mm -hmm, and just, mm -hmm. I've never, growing up, I never, ever thought that I couldn't do something. And I never, ever thought that I wasn't capable of competing with the guys that I was around. And I mean, Ella and I, were both business majors. I mean, 95% of our classes are all guys. Yeah. So we've got and we're, we're, we're graphic design minors too. So what's interesting is that we're in these classes where on um, our major side, it's we're the minority. And then on our minor side, we're the majority. And it's like one guy. I don't know what class. it's like to be in a class where it's kind of like equal. Um, and I've also known in, in the graphic design classes when there's a guy, the guy kind of gets like special treatment because they're the ones that's like in the minority. Yeah, but yep. what's interesting that you brought up, which I I really, really like, and I keep hearing this over and over again, and I, I do resonate with a lot, is actions speak louder than words. And I think that the, the feminist movement has bought into this, um, these short chants, these short phrases that are supposed to do more than actions. And I think it's cheap. Like, I, I think, think it's that's cheap. Too. That's not solving I think the it's problems. lazy. I think it's lazy. If you're going to badger these quotes and these movies, like there are so much we're going to get into in a little bit. Just a lot yeah. of the entertainment world is like taking advantage and trying to like push feminist ideals. When in reality, I think probably one of the most effective ways to really prove to maybe some men who haven't fully adjusted to women in their industry or something like that is to just like, I mean, you can't demand respect. Like you kind of have to earn it in a way. And if you can work hard and, and no one would, yeah. It, yeah. And I guess got to get out there. Yeah, you do. And what I guess what I was saying is that one of the questions, or I guess kind of, kind of two of them that Jordan and I felt like we had been trying to solve that again, that's the, this book that we're going to get into and some other things that we have been watching kind of address is a, there needs to be a healthier relationship between um, men and women who are in heterosexual relationships, because right now it's men and women are pitted against each other before the women's um, liberation movement, men had the power. And now yeah. instead of it being like, it was, equal it's now like women kind of have the upper hand and we need to create a space especially with technology evolving and and people working from home roles should be equalized whether it's in the house or in, in career and every family every couple every whatever they need to figure out what those roles are for each other and what what percentage like I agree you know and that's different for everyone there isn't one model and we need to stop saying that it's either the woman does all the work and the men does nothing or 
it's the opposite. Or a lot of times right now, there's a lot of um, like single moms who do both. They have full on the kids. It's nearly impossible. And they're doing all the house stuff. And that's impossible too. And we haven't really solved that problem. And the second one, which is, is kind of similar, but having women be able to find the balance between work life and um, home life and having systems that support that, whether it's uh, maybe school having hours that match more of the work time hours or it's corporations being more accommodating for women that have um, more kids or pregnancies or that sort of thing. But I don't think that's been solved either. No, I agree. And this is still so new. I mean, we're only talking about a couple decades that the, these are really relevant conversations and they're, they're everywhere. Um, first of all, let's explain this book. Yes, okay. Because this kind of sparked this whole in, yes. endeavor. So. so this book, for anyone who's interested, it's called Subverted, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. And it's written by this woman named Sue. And Sue basically, <laughs> Sue. Sue, so she, so she's about the age of me and Jordan's grandma and grandmas. And my grandma, um, she was, you know, she graduated college in the late 60s, moved to San Francisco in the early 70s with my grandpa. They recently got married right after school. Very similar story to this lady who um, went to college as a, a journalist and met her husband there. They quickly got married. They both wanted to move to New York. And they're basically, the story is them going in and out of New York. And she's working for Cosmopolitan. And she's very much um, involved heavily in the women's movement. She's read The Feminine Mystique, which obviously a lot of women and a lot of people in culture know that Betty Friedman wrote that book. And it basically jump-started the second wave of feminism, which was yeah, really Yeah, she laid important. out all of these key bullet points for women just to inspect their lives mm -hmm. and really take a look at, oh, wait, I'm probably not happy as a yeah. housewife. Mm -hmm. So she kind of made it trendy mm -hmm. and probably posed those key bullet points as really effective questions that women mm -hmm. really analyzed their lives and yeah. felt the need to change it afterwards. Well, if you go back in history, so what happened was, which I'm just, this isn't coming to me right now, but before World War II, life was a lot harder, like in all of history. And then pretty much in the 50s, Suburbia, well, yeah, suburbia came a thing, which was a whole new thing where the average American had like a decent life. You know, they started to have one car. They had they were starting to accumulate wealth because the economy was doing really well for the first time in American history. And so you started to see women kind of not working as much because not that women they're always domesticated. They became more domesticated because even back before World War II, women, I mean, it was, they were building aircrafts in World War II. They were struggling during the Great Depression. They're they, nurses. Nurses, the frontier life. I mean, it was rough for them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they had like things that were outside of raising kids. And then as suburbia happened, they get domesticated and then they start taking these antidepressants and their husbands are gone all day and they're stuck with all these kids. And it's, it's very chaotic and meaningless. And what Betty answers, what you said is, women basically need a creative outlet outside of the home. Otherwise they feel like just a housewife. Mm -hmm. And so her book is really important in this sense. And what's funny is that she doesn't even talk about um, like really abortion or, or some of the issues that we, we talk about now in terms of the women's movement, but it's really about how do we solve this issue of women being able to successfully enter the workforce. But the thing is, is the the feminine mystique didn't solve. It didn't really give yeah. any answers. What she was doing was phrasing this whole narrative in her book 
and revolving it around just trying to spark the The, realizations in people. So yeah, it sparked all the realizations, but still to this day, we have yet to solve Mm -hmm. the problem. And I really do think if you look at the last five decades, I don't know. It's kind of been the same. Yeah, it really has. We're still domesticated. There are so many women that still are in that suburbia domesticated life. Mm-hmm. And some really do love it. Some really mm-hmm. thrive in it. But some, if they're a single mom trying to balance all of these entities all the time, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how hard that would yeah. be. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that you're right. She In her book, she didn't solve the problem, but the point wasn't to solve it. It was like... Just to bring it up. Because no one knew it existed or was it. talking about it. So so in this book, Sue is a huge follower of Betty and, and this movement, and especially in New York, working for Cosmopolitan. And she very much buys into this movement because she accidentally gets pregnant with her first um, child and she was on the pill, but it, it didn't work because it was during the beginning um starts of the the birth control pill and she gets fired for a job because she's pregnant and she talks about how this was um, before cosmopolitan yes this was right before cosmopolitan so it was so she talks about like how you know she got fired for being pregnant how women if they were five pounds overweight you couldn't work as a flight attendant all these things and she she talks about how she then enters because of these kind of horrible experiences that she had in the workplace as a woman and a mother she then fully kind of buys in to um the feminist movement and originally it started with betty and i think it was on the right track to solve this problem but then in the book she explains how it gets hijacked by men of all people and yeah it's it's nuts (laughs) Okay, so I actually have not read this story, although I've gotten the synopsis from Ella. And when when she mapped this out for me about how it was men who actually instigated and made a trend of abortion, Mm -hmm. that was when everything got so twisted in terms of female empowerment because this was after the Betty Friedman second wave feminism like hit the ground running. So men actually were genius at marketing this whole new product um, option for women and having options is so glamorized in America. So it's great. When I found that out, I was blown away and you Mm -hmm. should definitely yeah. Highlighted a little yeah, bit. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, so then, so where was I? Okay, yeah. So she, so, and she kind of explains how Betty um, originally wasn't really focused on abortion. She wanted to decriminalize it like a lot of women did at the time because it was very unsafe in that respect but she wasn't technology wasn't what it is now well you could go to jail if you had an abortion so a lot of women agreed and they wanted it to be decriminalized but she she didn't want to fully focus on that because what she realized was we have to keep mothers on our side in this movement we have to bring mothers along with us on the feminist ride so that we can find this this balance and we can force the corporations in corporate america to bend to us to cater to women, to cater to families. And what men realized was that is horrible for our earnings and for our 
overall yes. profit because yes. if we have to give women maternity leave, if we have to accommodate them for picking their kids up from school, it makes everything harder it, for the men. Yeah, they they you can't make a, as good of a bottom line. They don't want women to be in the workplace, but they know that it's coming for them because women we have brains were empowered and we nothing will stop us from entering the workplace right so they they're 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 stressed out about this decision and so they're like we got to get everyone on the abortion page and it wasn't just like um it should be safe legal and rare which was the original like american standpoint but it was like we want it to be like on demand extremely because we want women to not have kids at all because if they don't have kids then we don't have to provide these maternity leagues etc stuff yeah and it wasn't just for dads not wanting to have kids and not being ready it was also in looking from like a financial standpoint in corporations businesses Mm -hmm. it's less costs less liability on their part to have accidental pregnancies amongst the women that they were employing exactly so hiring women that potentially could get pregnant or women that are sexually active and may have an unfortunate or or sorry, untimely pregnancy that just creates more risk for the company. Mm -hmm. So obviously having the option of abortion being there was a win-win in so many ways, Yeah, not just in the home, but in the workforce. And it's actually anti-choice because let's say the woman wants to like she's she's done all the thinking and she ends up like okay like I know this is going to be a lot of work but maybe I do want to just like take on the kid um then the job isn't as supportive of that because they're like well like even though you have a choice like you should be just choosing abortion like it's like they didn't want her to actually have women to have a choice so it's it's interesting Mm -hmm. and basically it wasn't even just abortion it was a lot of issues it was um she talks about how in cosmopolitan she wrote just all these like really glamorized articles about um just like the over sexualization of women which now we're seeing kind of the fallout of that with me too movement with women feeling like okay i feel like men overly sexualize me all the time and it's horrible like i have more to give than my sexuality yes that's one aspect of it but like there's other stuff that I can bring to the table mm-hmm. and she explains that um, when she worked at Cosmopolitan things like Hugh Hefner whatever people like that would come in and be like we want you to sell to women that the way to get to the top of a company is to sleep your way to the top so it wasn't women starting it it was men mm-hmm. encouraging women to sleep to the top through these women articles through Cosmopolitan and men like but this. they were using that as its female empowerment. Yes. So all of these, what we would maybe consider wrong that women should be doing, mm-hmm. um, were actually started by men in this era that were taking advantage of the movement. The movement that was trying to help women, which has now spun into a million more problems that we're even seeing today. Yeah, and and it's basically the book outlines how they hijack it, and she basically explains that she was obviously very involved in, and for the women's movement. She ended up having um, an abortion herself, and she kind of explains that story in in depth. But the reason why she had this kind of perspective, at least towards the end of her life, was that she had her husband out of college, and she had such a healthy relationship with him. And she like had a really her, healthy home life. She had her, a healthy home life with her two kids. And so she always was like questioning, okay, why do I have to write these articles about women sleeping their way to the top, women 
who want to have kids, you have to suppress that feeling. Like you have yeah, to. She, you said that she went to work and never talked about her home no. life because she would have gotten and maybe not canceled, but it just wasn't what you did. No, the women and that would there, have been frowned upon. None of the women there had kids, and she explained how there was some. Like there was some that I think definitely didn't want to have kids and were probably happy with their choice. But she said there definitely was a lot that were wrecked by it because they bought into this culture that men facilitated that was about the majority of women don't want to have kids. But I don't think that's true. I think that a lot of women do want to have kids. They just don't know how to navigate both. And our culture hasn't helped them do that. You yeah, know? I completely agree. Do you think comparing to your work experience so far, I remember you were telling me the story about working last summer for mm -hmm. that company, just now in the work in the workplace, women's conversations, they do speak about it more about their home lives. Yeah. Correct. I, I or that's on, the only thing. It seems like that's now, I mean, I think it depends on the workplace. I think that ideally what, what's weird is right now, none of, we're in a stage in our life where no one really has kids. So we don't need to talk about kids, but eventually we're going to get in a stage where like everyone has kids and I also don't want to just only talk about kids. Same. So that's same. what was happening in this environment where um, like in certain companies, there are certain sectors of like the corporation, maybe the marketing team is all females. And then maybe like the finance team or the, maybe the real estate team is all males. And they might all be in the same office building, but it still feels divided in that way. Therefore, like if I was hanging out with the marketing team, it felt like all people were talking about where their kids and it was kind of annoying. But if I talked with the guys, I had to like talk about sports or whatever, which I'm totally fine doing both. I kind of prefer the guys conversations if I'm being honest, but I do think it would be healthy if there was more of a mix so that we could have just normal people conversations. Yes. Normal people conversations. I love that. I'm totally game for talking about day-to-day -day stuff and at home stuff and maybe more feminine topics. However, I, for my whole life have had I've honestly related to guys more growing up um I actually maybe wanted to get to this later but we could probably talk about it now um I've been trying to figure this out and I know Ella we talked about it the other night but growing up I really wasn't into any stereotypical girl things mm -hmm. and I think that that's very telling just about humans overall and I had no external influence from my parents to encourage me or discourage me from whatever I did and so I think maybe that has led to my thinking now I'm not sure but what I do see with adult women is like they're discrediting female or feminine um, tendencies because they think that that's what they have to do in order to make a stand for feminism. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's what we should be doing. We don't need to abolish femininity to be a feminist. feminist. Yeah. We need to obviously lift ourselves up. And I think women can 100% benefit from confidence and confidence boosting and encouragement. However, I see a lot of young females right now feeling like they can't, or, or maybe they, I don't know how they suppress feel, but it. they suppress it and they glorify themselves for look, I don't know, wearing something that might be more male Masculine. or, or 
yeah, I'm at this football game, blah, 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 and, and it's only male mm-hmm. glorification, mm-hmm. and then they call that being feminist. Yeah, I, I think that that ties into your point that you brought up earlier where you are saying that men drive culture and women adapt to it. And if we want to be the ones that drive culture or at least have a, a, a say in it, I, I think we should. I think that there's – I've met so I many – I think we should totally have a say, but I, I mean I from an evolutionary be. standpoint, I don't know if we're going to be able but we should to do be, that we should, as much. But Maybe not as much, but I think that there's a, a space for it. But if we if we redefine what feminism is and take out the word femininity out of that definition, which is what you're saying is happening right now, how can we ever lead culture? Because we're just the one thing that makes us different than guys, which is us being feminine, we're suppressing that. Like that is so sad to me. And we're judging other women for if they want to be more feminine or at least That's what I'm saying. aspects of it, you know? And how can How we- can you call yourself a feminist or call yourself female empowerment when you're not glorifying or appreciating the, the benefits and gifts that we do have that men don't have? Yeah. And it's because men drive culture, I think, at least right now. And so women think, oh, in in order to speak out to a man or to get through to a man's Mm -hmm. thinking, I have to like plant seeds that they'll resonate with or else I won't see through to them. Mm -hmm. I'm probably explaining that really badly. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I think you're trying to say is that um, because we've accepted that men drive culture, we don't see that the way for us to drive culture is to actually embrace the feminine side of us because that's the only thing. But not badger. Yes, embrace our feminine side and market it and, and continue to be amazing humans, mm-hmm. but not badger. No, I'm not, not force them. No. Not, no, no, I, I yeah. know I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm yeah. just, I'm speaking out. Yeah. I really think that this is possible, but men I think are kind of afraid right now. I mean, we've got like all these sexual harassment scandals, men and women's roles in terms of courtship are like really getting really vague because guys don't know what's too far or what's not. Like there's so much confusion now and I don't want men to be afraid. I don't want men to think, oh, I can't say this or act this way or flirt with a girl or go up to a girl at a bar because I have to wait for her to do it. That's just kind Mm of hard. And I do think women, a lot of times like men that can be strong and still stay true to their authenticity so yes I think that this is possible it's probably going to take longer than just the continuous badgering and trying to get them to comply but I think Mm -hmm. in the long run that that'll actually be a lot more effective um, in terms of just establishing ourselves as equals Mm -hmm. as equals in terms of yes our gifts are different than your gifts but in terms of the value of what each party has to offer that is 100% equal mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. 100% necessary mm-hmm. for the success and continue continued evolution of our existence. Yeah. No. And I, what I liked about this book was that um, Sue explains that because she had this, like, I mean, the way that her, she described her husband, like he was just, they just seemed so in love. Like he would wake her up every morning and he would come over and just like, like say like what can I do to Stop. help you? And he, they both Aww. were writers. Okay, so they both were writers, and they both wanted to be writers, and they both equally divided. Oh, up. so they were they had total same interests. Same interests. Wow. They both divided up like all of the housework. They both would have different periods of their life where she was maybe freelancing and home with the kids, and he was, um, 
he was at work or like she lived a very like crazy life where they were poor for a lot of their life because they were really following their passions and they kept having they had two kids that that weren't intended and and she explains how um sometimes she would be the main breadwinner like it just every year it it fluctuated yeah but it was just this kind of like we're in this together life is hard but we love each other and we see each other as equals and we see each other both as creatives like they would spend when they got older they would spend their mornings like drinking coffee and writing while their kids were at school and she just explains that she had this but a lot of this was the time period where divorce um sparked um women not having kids as much women not getting married women getting cheated on like all these things happen so it's really hard for her like she was selling this lifestyle that she wasn't living but Mm -hmm. it wasn't that she she was just conflicted because she did believe that women should be equal and she was like i want a career like i have a career like i want to be a successful writer so but she then believed all of it and was selling all these lies to women when really she actually That's had the such exact an irony opposite life in suburbia with her husband wow. eventually yeah wow no i mean yeah she definitely wasn't riding on anything that she was experiencing firsthand because mm-hmm. that was completely contradictory to the life that she had at home mm-hmm. that's very suppressing and um kind of sad no it's sad very yeah. sad so that's why she finally i don't wrote, know if i could do that but if she book. was genuinely passionate about writing and that was what she loved she was probably pigeonholed didn't know what to do no she couldn't get out of it exactly yeah and, and, and she said this one story that was really interesting about how um her it was like one of their best like couple friends at the time the husband he cheated on his wife and then the wife was really sad because she was getting divorced and then he like took the kids from her she was so desperate she kissed sue's husband like out of nowhere and he literally was like what and ran away and then obviously told sue and they never ran away spoke (laughs) to this woman but like it made she was explaining how all these ideas that people like basically how betty friedman's book got derailed by these men and all these ideas that they infiltrated into the feminist movement men at the time were probably pissed they didn't want they wanted to keep the, the, power. the roles that yeah. they had. They wanted to, I mean, I'm not trying to say that a man working a full-time job and being a business owner is easy at all. It's not. It's really not. But he, they probably at that time didn't have to worry about anything at home and their yeah. wives were doing it all. And they probably got to, I mean, this is in so many films, so much of entertainment, um, the, the stereotypical 1950s like workers say in New York or something Mm -hmm. coming home and then the wife had dinner made and then they sit and have a great dinner and then it's just goes from there and they just redo that all the time. And for them, it probably seemed great. I don't know what the like depression rates were for men in that era. I mean, obviously for women, like them, the amount taking antidepressants and even now is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's tough. Yeah. Well, something, I think a really good, um example kind of in modern times like jordan and i were trying to think of some good examples of women that we think have done a good job balancing the two like home and work life and also have interesting perspectives and have had been very transparent about it because i think that's also what's hard for women it's like okay when i've had these thoughts of okay i i probably do want to have kids but i also am very very career driven and i'm very much like trying to figure out what my purpose in life is and I want to fully I don't think there's just pursue one. that. Yeah. You know, but 
women aren't transparent enough about how to have both. And then also what the no limit, guide. what the limitations are of that. There's no guide. There's honestly like not a space in culture to openly talk about it as females. Like if you even bring it up, people look at you and you're like, oh, well then like you want kids like, oh, that's, that's weird. Like you're anti-feminist or whatever, which I don't think that's true. I think you can have, but then it's a double-edged sword where, oh, I don't want to have kids. I really just truly only want to pursue my career. Then women look at you and we shame each other for that. Yeah. So we kind of are culprits in a way as well. It's absolutely not just men. It's, it's women too. We, we, judge and I think that women are very (laughs) good at judging sometimes and I think that what happened was is that basically like what the book kind of lays out is that all women were kind of when Betty Freeman wrote this book all the women were like on board both in the cities that might have been probably one of the only times that all women have been on the same page yeah and in suburbia and that quickly faded (laughs) it quickly faded as men put this wedge in it and they really really it pivoted it it put (sighs) suburban women against city women and we're still seeing this dynamic play out to this day Mm -hmm. and um i think megan kelly which we just watched her special um this interview she kind of laid out her struggles and how as career driven as she is she was a lawyer for nine years she had one of the most watched anchored shows in all of America she still felt this like need to be home even with all of her success and how driven she is yeah I love that she touched on that um many people obviously know her as a news anchor or they know her scandal with Roger Ailes who was the former CEO of Fox News and that was one of probably the top 10 biggest sexual harassment scandals that have come out in the last century and um I have so much respect for her when she talks about it. She doesn't play victim and she was a victim per se, but she doesn't play the victim card and doesn't want like pity. She doesn't want attention over it. She really like poop. Like she doesn't want to talk about it a ton. Obviously she will respond to questions about it, but I just love how after all these years and after how big of a deal that was and after everything she's been through being attacked by certain people in the political sphere or just, I mean, she's definitely had her share of drama. Mm -hmm. The fact that she can still talk about that and, be able to see it as uh, like from an external perspective Mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, this was a man that did this to me and play the victim card, which a lot of women do. And they think that that's female empowerment. In Mm -hmm. some cases it is. It's all about how you interpret it. But I actually do have respect for her that she's able to not just pull that. Well, yeah, but I mean, to give her, to give more context to it, she didn't, she knew how to handle the situation. Whereas there were other women at Fox who actually like it went a step further like hers was just like the words it it never led to an action and some women actually were like like no no I know like with Megyn Kelly it didn't get physical there were other women it did get physical however it's not I, I I still think that when speaking about sexual harassment and when feminists talk about it they still put even just verbal under the same overarching thing. I see what you're saying. They're saying that it's like, it's a step lower. It's a step lower, obviously, yeah. but they still refer to all these allegations under the same branch of like, you're yeah. a victim of sexual assault. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that, um, obviously, I think if, if it had gotten escalated to an action, Megan Kelly wouldn't be able to 
talk about it as soundly as she does talk about it. So, I mean, I don't want to discredit women who have actually... No, I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying that in a way, I I really do have respect for her that she's able to do that, which is a testament that she is not a feminist that's like demanding. It's that she's a feminist and she knows that she has something to offer and Mm -hmm. she didn't let that stop her from continuing her career. And Mm -hmm. she has continued to have an amazing career and also having three kids. Yeah. Well, something that I picked up from that that actually just made me realize like how horrible it would be to be in that situation is when she said that when Roger first came on to her, which I've, I've seen this, if you guys have seen the morning show, you, you would see this dynamic play out in that show. But basically he comes on to her. Also bombshell. Bomb- That's literally the movie about yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. But when, 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 when a guy does that in a position of power, even if you're a woman who knows that like, okay, I don't want this. Like I'm not, it's not worth it to me. You're still like, holy crap like this means like I don't want him to notice me because if he notices me then it's going to derail my career because if I don't sleep with him if I don't give him what he wants sexually then he's going to feel like I rejected him and he's going to stunt my career and I I never like someone laying it out like that that is very helpful because I mean I've had internships and, and jobs but I haven't experience something like that and I know that it's very common and especially the entertainment news industry where that happens and that is a real thing oh totally that's insane I mean that environment especially because men were the ones who built the media industry and Mm -hmm. dominated media for so long they ended up fostering these environments and and women kind of joined in Mm -hmm. and then it was like you've got these powerful CEOs and these powerful men that you want airtime you want to have your face on the camera you want your time to shine and then it was okay, you ha- the only way that you can do that is if you give. And that's what they really, or what I've really gotten from that whole story, especially with Fox, New- Fox News, Morning Show says it as well. So yeah. it's, yeah, we're learning now the behind the scenes, but I don't think that it was really ever expressed mm-hmm. to popular culture until no, recent years. It, it wasn't. And what people don't realize is that tying it back to this book, which I mentioned earlier, Cosmopolitan, all these women magazines back in the Can we talk about the the flight attendant thing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I said that, but basically like if you, there was only a window where women could have jobs for a while and it was like, you know, probably from age 18 to, to 24. And even my grandma was trying to be a flight attendant during that, that time period of the 60s (laughs) and 70s. And they told her she was like five pounds overweight. Or five or ten pounds. That is crazy. Because they wanted Imagine to... Imagine being told that. They, Your one dream job that you've worked so hard for, they probably went to school for it, and then all of a sudden you can't... That would never You're not fly. capable. It has nothing to do with your brain or how what your personality is. It's what you, what you look like. Mm-hmm. That's the start of the sexualization that happened. And that's what's crazy is that... Like, okay, if you, if you even look at, like, Betty, she is not this, like, sexualized woman like I mean she when she wrote the book she was in her later years and she wasn't like some like she was literally just like a mom you know like she was kind of like average she was average fucking woman so she wasn't interested in the like sexualizing part of women if anything like I I found this quote from her where she said that she said this to playboy that actually the the sexualization of women um in the women's movement damages she wasn't against women being sexually liberated in the sense of like you shouldn't be demonized for having sex, but she wasn't like men should be 
sexualizing women, which is what ended up happening. And we have been now struggling with that for 50 years. And it's translated into the Me Too movement because yeah, it allowed yeah. for sexual sexualization to happen in the workplace. The workplace. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is, um, for example, here's one rule that a lot of people don't know pregnancy like women being protected in the workplace that were pregnant from being fired it happened i believe five years after rogue versus wade so it took even longer for women who were pregnant to be protected from not getting fired like even after abortion was legalized Mm -hmm. so it just like it became not a priority to protect working mothers because the men hijacked the movement to become more sexual. No, there, there are so many things that men were really um, involved behind the scenes on that have now sparked and continued to, I guess, just propel all of these issues that we're facing now. And I think that it's really sad that like women have been kind of marketed wrong. Mm-hmm. Obviously, women know that men have a different sex, sexual need and drive than we do Mm -hmm. and that has been the same for years and years and years however the amount of sexualization that we see now between just a porn addiction we've got only fans now we've got every movie like we've got music videos of of women thinking that they should be like twerking in all of these things and I'm not saying that women are not allowed to express themselves but I think that we have this narrative twisted of that we have to be sexual in order to be empowered to be empowered or that we have to be sexual in order to be as sexual as men are we have to be super outwardly sexual and flirty in order to make them stop but in reality I don't think that we are we are built that way and I don't think that women I think that we are naturally empowered I think that women are naturally very comfortable with themselves it's just when we pin each other against each other and when we pin men against us that we feel like we have to do all these things to fight it in reality I don't think we need to do that no and maybe that's why you and I I I don't know maybe that's why we never felt I mean I still don't feel this way I I don't feel limited and I don't think you did and maybe it's because our upbringing, our parents, like they never really put that narrative out there that you're a victim, that the world's r- rigged against you. And that's what what you were saying with Megan Kelly, like her, not just with that sexual assault thing, but just in general, her mindset is I'm, I'm like, I came from nothing. Like I came from a middle-class family and now I was like one of the biggest anchors in the country. And you know what? Like I, I, I did it. Like there's, there's no one stopping me. She and yeah, did yeah, I had people who, you know, we're sexist towards me, whatever, but it's getting better and we can't just keep blaming the system for our problems. I agree. I I don't think that there's systematic feminism, widespread feminism. I think that... Yeah, or misogyny. It's just not a thing. No, not in America. Like, I'm sorry, maybe there was 50 years ago. There there still is in many other countries, which I completely can't even relate to and maybe one day I'll get to go travel there and experience experience it firsthand. But we have come a long way over here. Yeah. So it, it's really it's really weird that women have gotten what you said. Like we're e- like seriously, we've been easy marketing. Te- like people just have marketed this to us that we're still victims, and the fact that it's all to distract us from not solving the problem no. of how do we balance life. The majority. Okay, most universities right now, at least for the past four years, have been majority females. Females have a 
easier time getting jobs right now compared to because people people have understood yeah women have something to offer especially qualified women especially when it is in related to a position that they're trying to get it's not rigged against us absolutely not and something that I really want to encourage in regards to men is just this is why we need to stop the badgering and stop the award shows where ever like the me too stuff where all the women wear dresses and this and that. I understand sexual assault is absolutely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely unacceptable. However, I think that men have kind of been like they've given their share of our of our feminist um Yeah, I think what you mean by that is that um it, it it's similar to what's kind of happening right now with like the race war where if you start to call everyone a sexist or everyone, um, then people feel like I'm I'm not. So what do I do? Yeah. So then they're like, Oh, if someone's actually being, it takes away, um, from the situations that actually are real sexual assault or actually are like a Harvey Weinstein situation. Hundred plus allegations or sorry, cases that all created one allegation. Have you seen him recently? He's like about to die. He's in this like wheelchair. He's just this fat old dude. I have no no respect for him. What's crazy is just that the fact that um, was it Jeremy Boring who said that he was in a meeting with these like Hollywood um, producers and he was pitching a script or a pl- or a movie to them and they were like, oh, who do you want as the lead actress? And he he puts a name out there and they go, oh, I've already effed her. Sorry, you're gonna pick yeah, someone else. you can't you can't pick that because like, we need someone new that it would re- it would result in a sexual relationship yeah and there was a woman executive producer in the room and she just (laughs) said to listen to that yeah she She probably was like oh well then why am i here she probably already had some sort of sexual encounter with a man that she was working with it was just it's crazy how that whole industry and a few industries but mainly the entertainment industry everyone was in on it and it was like like you know but i think that so when we talk about the history of, of men, maybe starting with like the flight attendants and, and just women not only playing the part of their position, but also looking the part. And it yeah. was kind of all stemmed from men um, wanting them to per- protrude that sexuality in, in, in their workplace, especially when it was like a public position. I think that Hollywood took that to the extreme. And so then it, then we see all these directors and and peop- men in power who were, were already in that media and film space think that it was okay, and then it just like went crazy, and it's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy Boring, when he was talking about that, he was raised in Texas in a to a Catholic family and was very sheltered. He his destiny was to move out to L.A. to become an actor, just at least work in film. And how he explained when he first realized that, because they didn't have social media, there was no way to stay as up to date on how that environment would be like until you got into it. So when he, yeah, no, I thought that that was fascinating. It it was really fascinating. I would say, what do you think, like, okay, we laid out a lot of issues. Can we get into like the big question? Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the solution for that then? Okay. So I actually do have an idea. Okay. I do have one hole, though, that I haven't been able to figure out. Um, my dream, and I've talked to, talked to like previous relationships that I've had about this. I actively talk to my family about it, and I very much so talk to my younger brother about this because I want to make sure that he, fa- like I think that young men 
who are trying to navigate their careers should not be doing it in the sense of, oh, I'm going to meet a woman and, and hopefully I want to have children, but I'm just going to continue my career and she doesn't. I don't want parents to be teaching their kids that and I don't want young men to to be thinking that that's how it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's what they want, okay, that's one thing, but that's not an expectation anymore, I don't mm-hmm. think. I don't want it to be an expectation I anymore. Agree. So I think that it's really important for parents to to convey that to both say they have a daughter and a son so that it's just – you both have just as much responsibility in your life to prioritize potentially being involved in a family and potentially being involved in your career. I like that a lot. Okay, so I'll leave that there. But I think that the solution is, and what we've seen with this pandemic a lot, is with so much technology and obviously being at home, I'm sure, like I saw this with my dad who used to be gone all day long at work and he was at home all day long in quarantine. And there's like certain behaviors that if a dad and a mom are very segmented and separated into what they do on a day-to-day basis and they get put in the same place, it's like you're trying to orchestrate your life and it can be so hard. So why not just start out by doing that so that you're both kind of involved and, and you're doing an equal part in the home and also in your career. Mm-hmm. It gets hard when it when kids are put into the equation. Yeah. Um, but what, what we're really talking about in terms of kids, though, wi- women are naturally more nurturing. However, we're only looking at nine months of carrying a child and then probably a year of true like maternal connection with the child of like obviously having to breastfeed and all of that. So after that though, it's actually really important for dads to be just as involved in the equation. I'm so glad that I had that because I think that dads bring a lot of really interesting and unique um, pride and confidence and aggression, healthy aggression Mm -hmm. that teaches young girls assertiveness. Exactly. That's the word. So having more fatherly exposure has a lot of benefits. And so I think ultimately what my goal would be is just to have some sort of balance where I can work, I can have a perfect amount of time with my kids and my husband can too. Because Mm -hmm. to be honest, the thought of cleaning the house all day, like I could cry at how much I can, I just can't. I'm not built that way. I don't want to do it. I do not want to do it. And I also don't want to go to the grocery store every day. And I also, I love playing sports. I grew up playing sports. I work out often, but I also don't want that to be my only extracurriculars either. I will never let that happen. Just going to the gym and then watching your kids play sports? Yeah, like wake up, make coffee, make breakfast for your family before they leave to go on their lives. And then you're stuck alone and you got to figure out what your day is going to be. And then the clock flies, the clock flies. You've got your dogs, maybe you clean up their their stuff outside. You've gonna, you're probably going to go to the grocery store and have a recipe, grab the recipe, come home. And then if your family expects you to have dinner, like that's a pressure. It's just, I just don't know. I mean, if you really, there are women that do work well in that scenario and are completely happy. And that's amazing Mm -hmm. for me. I, from what I know right now, maybe 10 years down the road, I will never have the same Mm -hmm. opinion, Mm -hmm. but I can predict that that's not going to be me. Yeah. I would say I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page as you. And I, I want this to be kind of the mainstream thought and I, it needs both men and women to get on board hundred percent and it can't be just 
women driving the narrative or men driving the narrative it needs to be both of us together and we need to build trust between the two sexes because and I respect think, i think that that's that's getting have like broken recently um and yeah I, I i totally agree with all of that i think that something too that women should think about is even if you do find whatever the balance is for you it's about accepting it and like knowing okay even if you're like a full-on career like both both the husband and the wife are like crazy workaholics and even if they have a nanny like that's also a scenario too then you just have to like whatever your decision is you just have to be okay with it you know and you have to work through all of that so that you don't feel um I don't know regret like you want to just make sure you work through I also think so you don't have regret no and not just regret when you recognize that maybe things aren't going the way that you thought or that you're unhappy or that there's a disruption in the system that you thought was going to be good. Once you recognize that, try to change something right away. Or like, I'm sure women have gone years and years and years not expressing to their husbands, oh, this isn't working for me. Yeah. I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, f- I don't feel fulfilled, especially for like we've experienced this a lot with where we come from, where that's a very prominent traditional roles in, in the friends, parents that we have. Um, women feeling like they can't change or they can't go back to work because it's just there's too much at stake. I, I feel like in America, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. We have so much opportunity here and there are structures in place that can make that happen and if you're with someone that isn't going to encourage you to do that if it's going to not damage your relationship and not like hurt anybody else then why not no and I think it's important for kids to have the dad being super involved I don't think it's healthy if the dad's just working all the time either I think I think that um Jordan Peterson lays this out basically kids benefit what you said they need this assertive they people learn assertiveness from your from your father because what happens is even if you rough play with your kids it teaches kids okay there's boundaries right like okay if I am rough housing with my dad and my 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 brother and I'm a girl and and my brother like hits me too hard my dad's like oh we're done we're done we're done and then you learn and they're a lot better at re at enforcing whereas I feel like a maternal nature is more trying to like help and fix and and that's great too. In a lot of cases you need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that we, I, I, I meant to say that, but no, that's a huge factor. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, with this episode, we just want both men and women who listen and, and parents too to just like take these ideas in and, and, you know, you know, kind of embrace this culture that we hope will be the future. I know? know. I think that we have a lot of growth to do. I think from a, political and educational I think with the structures that we have in our society right now there might be some tweaking whether that be having school hours for kids match up with work hours or maybe with this pandemic the we, Zoom stuff we continue to stay yeah. more work from home so that everybody's in the same place it, yeah no I'm actually kind of happy about it because um, ideally that would be really cool for me just to be able to be at home and if stuff needs to be done around the house I can do that but also have your kids around too but kids do need to be around other kids which wh- is why school makes sense so there is definitely some changes that need to be made but in terms of like a philosophical perspective on feminism I really do think that women are naturally empowered and I don't think that we need 
like affirmation from men or affirmation from our sex drives that we're trying to like put out. I don't think that we need to use these things or abortion too. It's, there's a lot of, there's a lot that's been kind of twisted in this book really, um, brings, brings it to light, brings it to light. And, um, it's important to understand the history, I think, to understand where we're, where we're, we're at, at now. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to read this now, Yeah. now that you're done. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Having the conversations about this stuff is is a good remedy to get things rolling, get the ball moving. Conversation's always the first step. Mm-hmm. Completely, yeah. yeah. I feel like, hold on, let me, I think I have one more thing. Um, no, we touched on everything, holy crap. Yeah. No, I think we're good. Yeah, guys, I don't have... Okay, last thing. What's mm-hmm. one thing that you could think of to, to leave this today? Don't mean to leave It's like this. getting dark right now. I know. I'm <laughs> it was so like sorry. a lazy Sunday. I, I had my tea, by the guys, way. This I'm is... so sorry. I'm scared that the video is going to look kind of... <laughs> <It's> <laughs> we're like, like dark now. Now it looks really red. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> this was intentional, by the way, with the red. <laughs> Yeah, I was supposed to be spooky for Halloween, but also my mug saying boy tears was not a shot at all. This it's was just, just it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um what was the question? Oh. Um but I would encourage for people to read this book. Uh, I, w- I would encourage also like when you're if you're a young person like dating someone, I think it's really important to find um like a, a partner that has similar interests as you because then it allows you to connect that you both want to be creative beings and that you have like drives outside of just what a female should do or what a male should do and then Mm -hmm. you have a sense of um like kind of companionship in that way and you're able to relate to the other one that you see the importance of them being able to pursue that and you want to make it happen for them so you're willing to take on the house stuff, 50-50. Yes, the house of 50-50. That's my dream. And that was this this lady, like she and her husband, like even back in the 60s, worked that out where it was everything, like they both knew that writing was important to both of them and they both, that was their main priority. So everything else, it was just like, we're going to mm-hmm. divvy it up equally. So it's not only making sure that both parties' hierarchy of priorities is the same, but also, yeah, just dividing it up. If you have the same interests, then you're going to respect that that person has interests just because you know that you have you know too. how much you are interested in what you're interested in. So if you know that that person is interested in the same things just as much as you, you're probably going to have more respect for them and prioritize their interests, mm-hmm. career endeavors just as much as your own. And just it's kind of like the golden rule in a way, like yeah. treat others the way you want to be treated. In general, dating advice, just like, Girls, I girls hold the power. Like not to put like that. What we're, I'm not talking about like that feminine. I just want girls to be more like, open about it. Like yeah. actually, and if you don't know what you want yet, which is totally fine because not no one that's around our age or most people probably haven't had a kid or haven't gotten married yet. So it's really hard to gauge. But I think that even in a courtship scenario, when 
you're going on first dates with somebody, I don't think that that's a problem to actually talk about that stuff because that's pretty, it's a pretty telling factor in terms of whether you want to fully take it to the next level with that person yeah, for and start sure. dating them and think of them as a potential. Yeah. If a guy was like to you on the first date, like, no, I want you to be at the house all the time. And I don't want you to have a career and I won't support that. Then I wouldn't. You would just be like, all right, I okay, would goodbye. never <laughs> do anything with him again. Yeah. It's super easy. I would never, but I feel like so many women get into these dating scenarios and they haven't talked about that at all. Yeah. They keep it so platonic and, and don't think about the future when in reality that's so important. And then they, and then they get married and then they're like, okay, wait, now we got to figure it out. Yeah, no, which is, it's, and you know what? Then and you that's get, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And probably antidepressants on at least one of the parties. <laughs> Maybe both. Exactly. Anyways. Anyways, antidepressants is a whole nother topic. We'll probably keep, we, now that this was actually probably the first time we've really ever talked about feminism on the podcast. Uh, but going forward, I really do want to bring this stuff up. Just like, yeah, planting seeds. I think it's important to talk about feminism in the light that it's not some derogatory thing, that it's not some scary thing. We're not trying to like badger anybody. We're not trying to shove it down your throat, especially for any of the guys watching. So we got a little intro and there's still, I mean, it's such a hefty topic. We're going to keep bringing it up, but we've we've laid some groundwork, hopefully. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Sorry it's dark. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Bye. (laughs) I was really-